Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 9 of Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark, and he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And I'll stop reading there. Now, God mentions a dove, and it's uh, Strong's number 3123, and it's translated as dove or pigeon in the Old Testament. And the pigeon is often referred to as a, a sacrificial animal, a bird that was involved in the sacrifices. And the dove also, we know from uh, studying the book of Jonah, is uh, the same name as Jonah. Uh, Jonah really has the name of Dove. And uh, we saw when we studied the book of Jonah that God gave him that name or permitted his parents to call him that in order so that God could teach a spiritual picture which was the two sendings of Jonah to the city of Nineveh pointed to the two outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Now, we equate the dove with the Holy Spirit because uh, God does in the Bible. For instance, if we go to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 3, it says in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, The heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now let's let's look at the other places in the Gospel accounts where we read of um, Christ's baptism and... Uh, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove in Mark. It's in chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven 
saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, let's go over to Luke. In Luke chapter 3, it says in verse 21, Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And one more time, in the fourth gospel, John, John chapter 1. Now, it's not often that we find an account in all four gospels. Uh, many times you'll find something in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and not in John. But when it comes to this particular historical event of the Lord Jesus' baptism at the hands of John the Baptist, um, it's recorded in all four Gospels. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, when we look at all four accounts in, in each of the Gospels, we find there are some consistent things. Um, now, John, in the verses we just read, it's similar, but not the same, because John was bearing record. Uh, for instance, John the Baptist said, I saw him bear record, this is the Son of God. And in the other three accounts, it was a voice from heaven, the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But we have some consistencies in all four accounts. We find that Jesus is baptized in the water. He goes into the water, and in all four accounts, well, maybe not in John, but in the other accounts, he comes up out of the water and then there is a declaration made in three of the Gospels by God himself and the fourth by John the Baptist, who's making the statement under the inspiration of God, so there's no difference. And the statement or declaration is made, This is my beloved Son, the Son of God. And really what we have here in the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that this signaled 
the beginning of Christ's ministry, and after being baptized and the Holy Spirit descending upon him, in the next chapter, for instance, in Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the, the gospel account goes from there, giving us the record of all the things Jesus did in his three and a half years until he went to the cross. But this historical event of John the Baptist officially baptizing the Lord Jesus, and it was sort of a ceremonial washing because God had established a law in the Old Testament that a priest, before going about his priestly duties, must wash. He would he would wash in the sea, the brazen sea. And then he could go into the temple and perform his priestly duties. And Christ was about to go about his high priestly duties, since he was a, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so God arranged for a ceremonial washing, an official washing, a baptism. That's what baptism means. We, we've learned, and the word baptize or baptism it is translated as wash, uh, like where we read of the washing of pots and cups. It's the word baptizo. It's, it's the same Greek word translated as baptize. So to be baptized is to wash and we know that baptism in in its um spiritual reality points to the washing away of sin or or actual baptism occurred of Christ at the foundation of the world when he was the lamb slain and he was bearing the sins of his people and he died on their behalf and in that death, he was making payment for sin, or it was the wrath of God that brought death to the Lord Jesus Christ at the foundation of the world and slew him. And in his death, the law was satisfied, and therefore sins that he was bearing for all those that he predestinated and, and determined to save according to his good pleasure, all the elect, their sins were washed away by the wrath of God, by the death that came upon him. And once the law's demand for death, the wages of sin is death, was satisfied, then Christ rose from the dead. And and he was declared to be the Son of God at that point. Well, lo and behold... What do we find here? Let's look at Matthew 3 again. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, this is, of course, an official ceremony. He's about to begin his earthly ministry. But spiritually, it's pointing to, again, the washing away of sin that Christ endured at the foundation of the world when he was the sin-bearer, and he bore all the iniquity of his people. And so, he was baptized, or he died, and washed away the sins of his people. Then it says, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. 
Now, the water here would be a figure of the wrath of God that slew him at the foundation of the world, the wrath of God that punished him and exacted vengeance upon him and uh, finally accepted payment from him, which was his life, for, again, all the sins of his people. But then he went up straightway. And the word straightway is a word that means immediately. It's actually the same Greek word that's in Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun is darkened. And and so, when Jesus was baptized and completed that payment for sin, he then went up immediately. Uh, the, the picture is um, similar to Jonah. Jonah, when he swallowed by the big fish, the great fish. And that's a picture, again, of the wrath of God. Uh, Jesus said, as Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days and three nights, so would the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then what happened after three days and three nights in the whale's belly? Jonah was vomited out upon dry land. And that's the idea. Once the payment is complete, once payment for sin uh, has been made and there has been satisfaction, well, God has no further call. He he uh, doesn't require punishment above and beyond what is due uh, that will satisfy justice. And therefore, it's an immediate expulsion. He vomited out Jonah. Likewise, Christ is baptized, again, signifying the death he died at the foundation of the world. He uh, satisfied the law and went up immediately out of the water. He rose from the dead, is what the picture is here. He rose from the dead as he comes up out of the water And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. That's another thing that's consistent in all four gospel accounts. The Spirit descends like a dove at the point of Christ coming up out of the water. Now, consider, we're we're not going to go back to Genesis 8 just yet but something to consider and and to check out. When we first find the dove is sent forth out of the window of the ark, when is the dove making its appearance? It's first making an appearance when the tops of the mountains are seen, but then there was 40 days after that, and then before the window was open. So the waters are going down. The waters are decreasing, they're abating, and in a sense, the ark is rising. That is, uh, as the waters are decreasing, it's getting to the point where it it will finally come up out of the water, and and that will be when the waters are completely dry, and the, the ark, in a sense, has come out of the water. And so it is curious, isn't it, that as soon as we see the waters going down, all of a sudden 
a dove makes an appearance and and God actually stresses uh, the appearance of the dove pretty heavily because he's mentioned five times in Genesis 8 and five is the number for atonement and in this case it would be uh, an atonement accomplished and well received as the work of Christ on behalf of his elect people would be in view. But uh, again, just keep that in mind that here we have water that is uh, in view in Christ's baptism and he comes up out of the water immediately and it's at that point that the heavens open and the Spirit of God descends like a dove. Well, then it says in Matthew 3, verse 17, in low a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we read the same thing pretty much in Mark and in Luke. And then John bare record that Christ was the Son of God in John and in the fourth gospel. And so uh, we wonder why. Why at this point, why is there a voice from heaven and this declaration? Well, someone might say, isn't it obvious? God is simply um, assuring everyone that Christ is the Messiah. That he, he's confirming that the long wait for the coming Messiah has been fulfilled. This is the Son of God is what is being confirmed, isn't it? Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. Who's speaking? God the Father. And if if uh, Jesus is his beloved Son, it means he's the Son of God. The Son of God. And again, the importance of this statement coming at this time should not be missed. Christ has been baptized. He's gone into the water. And remember what it says in Romans chapter 6 concerning baptism. It says in Romans 6 verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, We are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which is baptism, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So baptism here is identified, it's connected to the death of Christ, and Christ was baptized, he died, and then went up straightway out of the water. That as he rose from his baptism, he rose from the dead, and then the Father makes the declaration, Behold, or lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And, of course, it relates to what we read in Romans 
chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, it says in verse 3, Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, then in verse 4, and I'm going to omit the middle portion of this verse so we can get the sense of what's being said here. In the first part of Romans 1, verse 4, it says, And declared to be the Son of God, and then the last part, by the resurrection from the dead. Of course, what's in between is important too, but that helps us, it, it helps our ears when we hear it connected or, or uh, flow together like that to understand what God is saying. Jesus is declared to be the Son of God by, that is, through or via, It is, he became, or was declared to be, the Son of God, due to his rising from the dead. And that's because, uh, it says in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You see, um, when Jesus died and rose from the dead at the foundation of the world, had anyone else yet to rise from the dead? The answer is no. No one had ever died and risen from the dead. He was the firstborn. That is, God is looking at coming back from the dead as though you, you are born. Actually, we should be familiar with that idea because we're dead in our soul existence, dead in trespasses and sins. Then God resurrects us and we're born again in our soul. That's how God saved people. And and that is we came forth from the dead spiritually in our soul and became a son of God. But but this is looking at the resurrection of really the the entire person of Christ and he died and then came back from the dead he rose he came up out of the water straightway and at that point the father makes the declaration well let me get back there to Matthew 3 Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He's declared to be the Son of God. Now, he's not declared to be the Son of God for the first time here in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. No, this is the demonstration. Christ is already the Son of God. When when Christ was baptized in water by John the Baptist, he didn't die it, it, it was just, uh, again, a ceremony. It, it was actual water that he went in and came up from. And uh, so that didn't make him the son of God. There was no actual death or resurrection in view then. But God is illustrating what did take place at the foundation of the world and and, and showing 
how Jesus became the Son of God. Now, this is important. This is important for us because of what we read in Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, verse 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, let me stop there before reading the rest. Conformed to the image of his Son. In what way? Well, let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him, the Apostle Paul is moved to write. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. His death. What was Christ's death? Baptism. He was baptized into death. He died at the foundation of the world. And so the Apostle Paul wants to know him and the power of his resurrection. And therefore, there must be a fellowship involving his suffering so that he can be made conformable to Christ's death. You know, we all want to be resurrected, don't we? We all want to rise from the dead. We, we want to receive a new resurrected body and, and enter into a new heaven and new earth and in a glorious, um, uh, beautiful new body without pain, without illness, without death, um, um, a body that will live forevermore. Well, of course, anyone that's sane, anyone that has um, eyes in their head and and the right mind would want that. Yet, okay, yes, we all want to be resurrected. But before Christ was resurrected, we want to partake of his resurrection. What did Jesus have to do? He had to go through a period of suffering. And he had to die. And he had to rise then from the dead to be resurrected. And, and so, you know, we sort of put the cart before the horse. God, of course, uh, his plan is to resurrect his people. But first of all, he must bring his people into the similar situation or like condition that Christ was in before he rose from the dead. Before Christ rose up from his baptism, he had to suffer and die. You must suffer and die first, and then you're in the position, you're you're in the right place for a like resurrection. As it says, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Do you really want to rise from the dead and be resurrected uh, into a new glorious um, spiritual body? Well, then... It's by any means. And 
That means first suffer and die. First suffer and die. And that's what Romans 8 is telling us in that verse, in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Not just, well, I'll I'll take on some attributes of Christ and, and will be kinder and gentler and more loving. Yes, that comes. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. But will be conformed to his suffering and death. Then it goes on to say that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Christ is the firstborn from the dead, declared to be the Son of God. We're sons of God, but in order to be called a son of God, you have to endure chastisement. You have to endure scourging. Really, you must endure the day of judgment. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.